The voice of the Blue Bombers one-on-one with Mike O'Shea. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. The Coaches Show brought to you by Procero Pro Fungicide from Bayer, your best defense against cereal disease. What a way to open a season. A home victory, nonstop wackiness. There's a million things to talk about from that game. Good and some otherwise as well. And we'd love to have all your questions. At DT on OB on Twitter and, of course, the text line, the phone line, 204-780. 6868. Happy to have the head coach, Mike O'Shea, in studio. Uh, Mike, breaking news from the CFL. You, you guys have put Adam Hadwin on your negotiation list. Is that correct? <laughs> well, he did hang on to that uh, that champagne bottle very well. I mean, the security guard that tackled him, it was it was perfect for him. There was something else written about, you know, forget the tackle. Look at his pursuit and the way he, you know, ducks around the block and comes out of it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure he feels uh, bad, but just doing his job. And the best, I think, the best part of that. Well, obviously, the best part is is that 72 foot putt and the and the win. You know, you were watching that live. Yeah, like, I can't. I. What was it like watching it live? Oh, because- fantastic! Great. It's a great moment in Canadian sport. I'm just glad I. I'm, I'm glad I got to witness it. I like that. Yeah. Just like I'll probably tune into. I won't watch the full NBA championship final tonight. But I'll tune in near the end to see just that whole championship atmosphere. Yeah. There's always great stuff to learn and um, pay attention to. It's uh, I really enjoy it. So yeah. The the Nick Taylor putt. The, all, yeah. Nick, Jim Nance says, oh, good pace, which is all you're kind yes. of hoping for from 72 feet. Is it going to – oh, my God, it went in the hole. Like, I can't even – Bob May in the what was it 2000 PGA to extend a playoff with Tiger Woods is one that sticks out for me, but I just I can't even remember anything like that. Yeah, great piece of Canadian, you know, just once again to end that 69 years since the last guy won. Fans singing O Canada, but gracious enough to be quiet when Fleetwood's, you know, approaching the ball, right? So yep. so kind enough. Hadwin gets tackled, and then his wife says something like, uh, he apologized to the security guard for being tackled, which is complete Canadian. I love it. You know, and nobody's, as far as I know, nobody's getting sued, Yeah, which is in other countries. Who knows he, what happened? He put out a video today. It was it was either done by or retweeted by the PGA where he was doing the ladder drill and taking handoffs, and he was getting prepped for next season. So oh, it just yeah, it's perfect. I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect. The whole thing is perfect. I mean, Nick Taylor was awesome. So, I mean, that's... I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but I made sure I got the last half hour, the last hour of it. Yeah. Um, Fourth playoff hole for the Canadian Open. Yeah. And like you say, the first time in almost 70 years that a Canadian won the Canadian. And Jim Nance said, biggest, one of the biggest sporting moments in Canadian history. I don't know, but it's pretty damn cool in the way that it went Very out. Very cool. Yeah. Would, have been, would, have been, would have been really neat to be there, like all the fans that, that happened to witness that live. Yeah. Um, that's something they'll have, you know, they'll hold it forever right which is really cool 204-780-6868 for your text you want to talk about 42-31 the winnipeg blue bombers winners of their week one matchup with the hamilton tiger cats uh, a couple days later now what's what's your impression of the game let me throw this at you i i have to fight the fact that oh 31 points they allowed the defense must have been but then i stopped because no it, there were wacky points in the defense 
seemed to play really well. Yeah, but for but for three plays, you know, I'm, I'm talking about in the game, not defensively. But for three plays, it's a it's an outstanding game. So, you know, I, what can you take away? We we played very well. We played very well. Um, you know, we made a couple of mistakes on 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 three plays. Got a little loose on three plays. Whatever lack of communication on three plays. Those things. Hey, it's football. They just managed to create the most damage, you know, with those three plays. You'd like to, you know, you'd like to make a tackle on the one that uh, gets, you know, knocked out of Zach's hand. You'd like to have that tackle back and have the defense go back out and 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 rally and stop them. Um, great effort by Johnny Augustine to bring down Fraser Sopic after a, a kickoff return fumble. Right to bring them down on the two, you'd like the defense to hold there. They'd like to hold there. Trust me, they they go out taking the field in, in that really bad field position, and they should be inspired by Johnny's effort to to bring the guy down and give him a chance to stop him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll get better. Yeah, yeah. The, the, but it was it was pretty darn good. Yeah, <laughs> the the wackiness of the ball just lands right in Fraser Sopic's arms. Like, okay, well. Football's football's a fun game sometimes, and sometimes the ball bounces exactly the way you want it to. Ultimately, I mean, I guess in I was going through each of the circumstances. Well, this bad thing, this bad thing happens, this bad thing happens. You guys then take the ball, drive down, score points. I'm like, okay, well, the bad things are over now, and they're not. They you did your guys did not appear phased by the bad things not, that happened. Not not a chance, not a chance. There's no there's no reason to be they, the the whole of the game. Um, I think they felt uh, pretty good about, um, and I think they, I, I shouldn't say, I think I know that they have a very good understanding of what just happened, why it happened, how it happened, and what's its impact, right, overall mm-hmm. through the course of the game. So they don't have to wait to see the film to have a good understanding of what really went on, right? Just like at the, at the end of every game or the day after, we, we look at the reasons the, the real reasons, the concrete reasons why you win and lose football games. So they're they're so finely tuned to that now that in game they can have a very good understanding of what just happened, why it happened, how it happened, what they need to do to fix it, and whether or not it's gonna, you know, have a a big impact on winning or losing. So <laughs> you know, which yeah. is which is really cool that they've got to that point. Uh, from that game, Jackson Jeffcoat left early on. I will ask you, how is Jackson Jeffcoat feeling? Uh, he was, seemed okay today, but we'll uh, we'll see. It's uh, once again lower body. We'll see how long it's going to take. And then we saw we noticed Evan Holm got up limping at one point, but he finished out the yeah, game. He just landed on his butt hard. <laughs> so he's fine. Uh, what was your assessment of him in that game specifically? Yeah, fantastic, the whole secondary. But you know. Farrow Houston played well. Evan Holm played well. I yeah. thought they, once again, they they attacked those, they attacked the football uh, very well and cleanly. They, you know, they weren't creating penalties, attacking the football. Their timing was good. Their spacing was good. Um, you know, no, if they got if a receiver got behind them, they you know they didn't panic. Demario made a nice play, uh, getting back in phase and and playing the hands on a receiver. Um, yeah, I think as a as a group they played real well, and then individually each one of those guys made plays. They each took turns making plays, and 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 good clean football plays. 
Alexander just absolutely plowed one guy. Um, Evan Holm with a couple pass breaks up on very different receiver. Demario Houston, uh, we had him in the postgame show praising his interception, the one that happened in play uh, when Bo was scrambling out to his left. He's like, I didn't think he was going to throw it. But I'm like, well, but you knew exactly where you should be if he does throw it. And he got to that ball well ahead of whoever the receiver was. I thought that's, that's, that feels like a smart yeah, play I'm from sure, Demario. I'm sure Bo would want to have that one back. You know, every quarterback does. Every quarterback has throws during a game that they'd like to have back. Every player does, right? So Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't, certainly wasn't perfect, but uh, once again, the guy should be very pleased. Good enough for first place in the West through week number one. 1-0 <laughs> oh, through week number one. Oh, and you take on another unbeaten team on Friday and things that we will discuss as we continue on the Coaches Show. 204-780-6868 for your texts and calls. For the head coach, Mike O'Shea, 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. It's brought to you by Pro-Line Gold Fungicide from Bayer, your canola crop's best defense against serial disease. 204-780-6868 for your phone calls and texts for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. You can also reach out on Twitter at DT on OB. A G-Man is there who uh, tweets at BA underscore split. Uh, he asked, what happened on the two third and ones? Was it the O-line or QB technique? And is Terrell Pigram still the third down quarterback? Well, n- not much good happened. <laughs> we haven't been uh, stopped like that in, in quite some time, but We'll get it figured out. I mean, there's no when when you get stopped like that. There's it's not one any one thing, right? Yeah. There's probably five or six things we need to to look at, but we'll get it worked on. Uh, Andy is on the text line. This is Coach O'Shea. Is there any concern about the distance of Sergio Castillo's kickoffs? Uh, I'm not concerned about it. Yeah. Okay. The coverage should have been better, but you know. I'm not concerned about the kickoffs. We can we can cover anything, whether it's really deep or short or whatever. We gotta we gotta cover it. So, I think we had opportunities to to make some plays, and there's a couple of little adjustments we need to make, and and it'll be it'll be good. I I wouldn't be able to pick this out live or, or truthfully. And, and be, were there things that broke down because Mike Miller turned out to be unavailable for the game that you go, ah, Mike would have solved some problems for us. Well, he always does, you know. But I, I'm not sure they. Woods is a good returner. They've got, they've always had good returns, and and Ryan Bull being back, you know, I'm sure they're yep. fired up for this one. And uh, we just got to be a little more conscientious in how we how we get down and how we fill those lanes. Uh, struck me, struck me, kind of during that game, and then afterward, there've got to be. A- the Bombers included, like, five teams that feel like they have the best returner in the Canadian Football League. Like, I assume you wouldn't trade Janarian Grant for anybody. No, he should have been the special teams player of the year last year. I mean. I'm not sure how that even happened. Uh, Alfred had more touchdowns in the regular season, I guess, when the ballots came out. Yeah, but <laughs> don't ask me more. Yeah. Don't ask me more than that. That's what I. That's what I. My hypothesis. Yeah, yeah it doesn't make sense. But no, we wouldn't. Uh, yeah, we wouldn't trade Janarian. There, there. I and I feel like there are four or five teams that go. Yeah, we're we're pretty happy with ours and, and the Bombers, which certain... is exciting for the CFL. I really, mean, we we have every ball should be returned. Right, our rules are in place so that there is exciting return game football, special teams football, unlike other places. Right, this is this is exciting, you know, and there should there should be good returns in this league. Yeah, 
James is on the text line again, 204-780-6868. Uh, a question for the coach in regards to crowd noise. How important is it and how often do team, teams change plays at the last minute on the line? Uh, James's question, I assume, comes from the same guy took two procedure penalties in short order in that game when it got quite loud. Yeah, I think our stadium is is the loudest stadium in the league. I've been to all of them, obviously. <laughs> so... Um, I don't, it's not even a biased opinion. I don't think I just, it is, it is loud. Even from the home coaching standpoint, it's, uh, when it gets going, it's, it's, uh, you know, a tangible asset (laughs) for us. So did it cause, uh, their guard to, to jump a couple of times? I don't know. Could be the rush he's facing or whatever. I, I think it certainly helps. Um, it makes it does make it harder to communicate. I think teams, just like when we go into Saskatchewan, we have to practice with crowd noise um, to to be able to operate, um, you know, on a silent count. Um, and teams would have to do that coming into our building too. So when you've got to take, uh, you know, change your process and and take time, it it certainly there there could be some some help to that. I mean, we've been teams are used to it coming here. They always have a plan for that and. Um, Everybody that goes to Saskatchewan has a plan, especially the Bombers, in terms mm-hmm. of how they operate with crowd noise. Speaking of times where it got loud, fourth quarter, third and ten tie cats, down two scores, trying to score, and of all the players to make a play, Celestin Haba, as I said, signed May 30th, 10 days later, makes the sack that essentially ends that game. Uh, what was your reaction to that play? What kind of guy is Celestin Haba, who I will meet for the first time tomorrow? Because we need to talk about him making that play off a pretty good offensive lineman. Like, what was your rea- What's your reaction to that play? I'm excited for the kid. I mean, it's it's right on time. <laughs> you know, yeah. third down basically ends their drive, um, and essentially ends their. There's still football to be played. We've got to get some first downs after which which our offensive line and Brady, you know, they they managed to get, which is which is really cool to be able to do that. You know, in the game with the ball, um, but yeah, Selson did a great job. You know, I think he's uh, a conscientious learner, right? So I think he picked up a lot of stuff very quickly. I think he's uh, very willing to listen to the vets that are trying to help him out and the coaching staff that's trying to help him out. I think he wants to get out there and play. I think you know, for for everything he said, he's he's having a lot of fun, and a lot of guys do when they get here. They have a lot of they have a lot of fun. Yeah, I think there's a. I think they come in and, you know, obviously in any new environment, there's some caution exercised by the, by the new player, but, but not with our guys, you know, they just get them in there and get them going. And I think it allows guys new to our team to relax very quickly and just learn and, and realize they can drop their ego and just, and just concentrate on what's important in terms of getting ready to play. He got a bunch of snaps in that game and a a bunch of chances to rush the passer. Uh, You guys brought in a defensive lineman uh, officially today. uh, Miles Fox also signing defensive back Brad Muhammad, who I remembered from a couple of plays because I keep talking to Brady Oliveira and Greg McRae about them, but had a couple of interceptions in a game here and had four pass knockdowns in a game against the Bombers in a single game last season. Uh, First up, Miles Fox. What can you tell us about Miles Fox? Um. Athletic, strong, interior D lineman. Um, watching him on film in the preseason uh, for BC, he just popped. I was looking at another guy, and I just kept on seeing him uh, make plays and move people. So I think he's got a different 
um, athletic skill set than a lot of big men do. So he combines uh, the power with the athleticism. And then Brad Muhammad has yeah, some experience at the half. Experience at halfback. I mean, we're we're running a little thin right now. So, um, you know, where we thought we had uh, a lot of wealth and depth at, at at in that secondary, we've just gotten a little thin because of guys being nicked up. So now we've decided to bring in uh, Brad, and he's obviously got a fair bit of experience at the halfback spot, which is probably one of the would be the, one of the hardest spots to play uh, in the secondary. For for folks who don't know, why why is that the case? Yeah, just that you're you're always seeing the waggle. You're you know you're not seeing a, a line of scrimmage stationary player, so you get that all the time. There's always moving pieces on each side. You got to be able to have vision. You got to be very clear with your eyes in terms of where you're what you're focusing on. So we'll see how quickly we can get uh, both of them up to speed. Please tell me Dietrich Nichols is okay because my my whole world will crumble if Dietrich Nichols is not okay. He, he's good. <laughs> he's he's very very good. A guy uh, I enjoy quite a bit, and I know Bomber fans. We, we do too. Do as he's well. awesome to be around. It, oh, he's fantastic to be around. I, I just he makes me laugh every single day. I like that. That sounds pretty good. 204-780-6868, your direct line to the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Plenty of texts and calls to coming as we continue. It's the Coach's Show on 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coaches Show brought to you by Procero Pro Fungicide from Bayer, your best defense against serial disease. 204-780-6868 for your texts and calls. After the Bombers open the season with a victory, 42-31 over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, Jim is on the text line. He says, uh, Coach, what are your thoughts on Damian Jackson's first game? I thought his presence was quite noticeable. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. I mean, there's, uh, like we said earlier, with game one, and there's always a few plays you'd like to have back. You know, there's just a couple little details that he'll he'll clean up, but... Uh, you know, he got down there on special teams. He made some good hard blocks on 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 offense, playing fullback. Um, good to see. I think his, you know, when he had that tackle on uh, on the kickoff, I think his teammates were pretty excited for him. So a lot of our young guys produced, made you know, made tackles um, in the in the coverage game, which is which is always fun. Neat to see their their teammates really enjoy that when they get their first. So. Uh- also from a Twitter at Drew's FB take Drew, who we spotted at the uh, tailgate area says, uh, can you ask the coach how much correction on the mistakes the coaching staff will have to make as opposed to the players calling themselves and their teammates out? Well, I don't, I mean, there's a high degree of accountability on our team, but I don't think it ever amounts to uh, a player calling out another player. It doesn't work like that on our, in our group. Um, you know, Everybody recognizes that all their teammates are human also and mistakes happen. And there's, you know, good conversation, sometimes a little firmer conversation. But, you know, when you're dealing with good people, good teammates that always are trying to do the best for their teammates, it's it's not that they're not trying hard, they they make a mistake. It's not that they're not putting in the work or the effort throughout the practice week. It's just a mistake. So I, it's it's an interesting. The term "calling out" is, I've been on teams where that happens. And oh, just, really? And it just doesn't happen like that here. Yeah, they don't. They're not calling each other out. <laughs> you know, the ownership um, that players take for their own 
mistakes is is high also, right? Once again, with the veteran-laden team we have, I mean, this is not, you know, it's, it's not an arduous process the coaches have to follow to really push, uh, you know, this learning that goes on. These guys come off the field and they already know what they did. They don't even have to pull up the iPad, you know. The odd time they pull up the iPad just to see, yeah, verify what the other team did, why that forced maybe a, a mistake or a slight, you know, uh, angle difference or something like that, what they should have done. But they, these guys have a very good understanding of, of once again, why plays worked and why they didn't maybe. You just made me think of something. There was uh, It was back in January, early February, where an uh, NHL coach went bonkers. Well, got the media went bonkers when he said, I need my guys to put down the iPads. These iPads are terrible because guys, I think his point was, guys can be too much into the iPads. Mm-hmm. And they should feel the game. I think. I yeah. hope was the point that John Tortorella was going for. Yeah. In that, uh, th- in there that, is in- something about you know watching the game and understanding the flow and why. And I think with football, it's really interesting. And I've, a lot of the offensive players um, don't necessarily get the flow from the other two phases, where a lot of the defensive players are on the special teams units anyway. So they're in two phases. They're also standing on the sidelines, not going to the bench all the time. So they go to the bench when they come off and they quickly get some instruction and they're back up to the sideline waiting for the next special team, right, which gives them an advantage to have a better gut feel for the flow. Um, And, you know, historically offensive players, because they're not on as many special teams, go and sit on the bench and discuss amongst themselves what just happened, what's going on next, corrections from the coaches so it, it is interesting I, I don't I think the iPads are a, a useful tool um, I also do think that understanding the you know having a feel and understanding the flow of the game and how things are going on in the other phases is important too I'm curious uh, the overall arc of Nick Dembski's 60 minutes in that in that game how do you uh, how do you look at it now the open the opening play to he was the leading receiver in the game. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty easy to discount the opening play. You know, there's a level of ball security that needs to happen. On you know, you need to reach that level every single play, and that's something that obviously he'll work on. Um, you know, it's unfortunate it happened, but the defense held right, so. Um, we go out and we continue from there, but it's not—it's uh, not anything that people get worked up about, right? Yeah. Just hey, tighten up on the ball, right? So, and then you move on. He knows that. There's not even—I don't even say that to him, right? He comes off. I don't say, "Hey, your ball security's bad." I mean, he just fumbled. It's of course it wasn't good enough, <laughs> right? Yeah. So he knows that. Why would I? You know, there's no reason to even say it. And then he, I mean, he goes on to make that leaping over the shoulder touchdown catch oh, and generally I mean, yeah. tear Hamilton apart in that sure. game. He was and, great. And Zach was putting, oh. I mean, he put footballs just in perfect spots, especially into the wind. Oh my gosh. It was unbelievable. Fantastic to watch. Yeah. You, you elected to, or you kicked off in both, in both mm-hmm. halves, which makes me go, there must've been a significant win that you got in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, it started to swirl a little bit more in the fourth quarter. There was a couple times you're standing out there going, geez, the wind just changed. No mm. use having it now. But uh, I think it held fairly true for most of the game. You know, it was going to be a north wind, and 
and it was certainly strong enough that made a difference that um, we felt comfortable uh, with the score and um, coupled that with just the belief that, hey, if it's way better to have this one in the fourth than it is in the third. Just on the Dembski and, and the opening play, I, I kind of said to him in the in the in the post game, and I think back to the twenty seventeen Grey Cup of if a guy's trying to get a, get my side extra yards, I don't really feel he can't fumble. Don't fumble the ball, but if you're trying extra hard, I feel like I'm I like I'm never going to encourage a guy to not try extra hard. Yeah, but that the those two things can happen together. Right, you can try hard and still have great ball security. Yep, you can try hard at great at great ball security while you're trying hard to yeah. get yards. And there's also other things you can do. You could just simply, you know, they got you dead to rights. You can just throw the ball away. Could or you could fight to the last second, the last sure. millisecond. And yep, yeah, the, the 2017 Grey Cup for folks who who don't, if you don't remember, uh, Kamar Jordan was busting for extra yards late in the game, ends up fumbling, and Toronto takes it a hundred whatever yards in the other direction. And after the game, Markway McDaniel's like, "Dude, go down." Said it to the media. Unfortunately for the for the Stampeders, and I always thought. I kind of like the guys to fight. I don't know. I oh, yeah, I, I, I like, like them to them fight. fight too. But there's also. So take the ball security out of it. There's there's other decisions you can make also, you know, within that play. Yeah, but I don't yeah, I just I, I when I get near football, no, no one ever gives up. No one will ever give no up. No one does. They fight they, for every they don't. every Absolutely. inch and every second yep. all the time and, and to, we we to, like it like that too. To tell them to do something different just kind of mm-hmm. it it strikes disharmony in my brain, right? So I kind of get weirded out by well, it. Well, we but... wouldn't want that. We wouldn't <laughs> no, want disharmony. Is that even a word? I I kind of don't know, but uh, well, it is now. I, I will Google it during the break just okay. to uh, just to make sure. Uh, Neil is on the text line. Uh, it says, uh, "Oh, hi, coach. On the block punt, did uh, seventeen miss a block on the Hamilton player? No, seventeen is Reta Cramdy is is." Uh, Jesse Briggs said it best. There was just some miscommunication, but no, there's not. There's not one person that that has to do it differently. There's there's the group. It's a twelve man punt unit, so they they've got it figured out. Yeah, yeah. He is the head coach, Mike O'Shea, with us until eight o'clock. Your text and your calls at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Saskatchewan is on deck. A road trip. Out West coming up on Friday. It's the Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coaches Show brought to you by Pro-Line Gold Fungicide from Bayer, your canola crop's best defense against disease. He is the head coach, Mike O'Shea. We're just recapping the 2017 Grey Cup. Shania Twain at the 2017 Grey Cup. That was a phenomenal show. Comes out in the dog sled? Come yeah, on. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Fantastic. 204-780-6868. The Bombers 1-0 to start the season. Back to practice tomorrow. Game Friday that you will hear live on 680 CJOB with uh, Doug Brown and Ed Tate and Ted Wyman and the cast of characters. Uh, and myself will be there in Saskatchewan to take on the 1-0 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, I'm assuming you've seen the Riders. What do, you, what do you think of the 2023 Riders through 60 minutes of football? I think they're going to play tough. I think they've uh, worked on some discipline like uh, Craig has wanted. They've played a fairly clean game this last game. I thought their their defensive front was very active and, and 
played a, a real physical, tough brand of football, you know, hence the three stops on the goal line. Yeah. You know, which was pretty, pretty neat to see. Um, yeah, they're, it's always tough to play there and they're always, you know, they're always going to play hard. Um, no matter who they're playing, but it seems like when Winnipeg and Sask get together, it's uh, it's going to be a physical affair, as it should be. It's yeah. football. The the one talking point from the end of that game was Saskatchewan's trying to kill the clock with, I believe, eight seconds left, and Trevor Harris rolls out, and he throws the ball to the moon, and then it's gets... a good play. It's a good play. Which part? Which part? All of it. It's a good play. Does he? Do you want to get your quarterback whacked? No. You know? Yeah. But, so you can tweak that. But that's a good play. You leave two seconds on the clock. What are they going to do with that? Yeah, you know, they're they're hoping for a pi somewhere around midfield or forty yard line, so then they can get one more play and and try to go for the end zone. But it's a good play. There's all different things you could do. Um, you know, you could do a a bunch of you could choose to do other plays. But that's a that's a good play. Doesn't bother me in the least. Are we talking about the sa- the sask was to kill the clock? Are we talking yeah, about yeah, kill the clock? That's when you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, third down, they're trying to throw the ball yeah, up in yeah. there, so there's yeah, only two seconds left. Yeah. Yeah, tr- Harris gets cor- okay. Forgive me, I was a little confused there. Harris gets corked and gets up yeah. holding his hip, and sure, he th- shouldn't get corked. He should not get <laughs> whacked like that. But well, other than that, it's the, the idea of it is a good, it's a oh, good play. The the question it becomes uh, for folks of us outside the game is, well, why isn't that the backup quarterback? Would the, would the Bombers let make Zach Kalaris do that, or would you put Drew Brown in? And I, I thought I I actually don't know if you could take somebody. Cold and hey, go uh, do the six second clock killer. Yeah, I don't know that you'd want to do that either, right? Just protect them differently, you know, tweak it a little bit. But it's once again, there was a lot of chatter about that play, and it's, you know, I think it's it's a fine idea. We we love getting inflamed as football fans. We love anything that inflames. How can you get your quarterback killed? Oh, these, How can this possibly the, be? What are you guys? These doing? insufferable coaches—they just don't know anything. I like it. Well, and uh, I mean, from that game, you mentioned the the three stops from the goal line is that's a ninety percent play, and they stop it three times. That is when that happens. That is super impressive. I mean, you you guys, Hamilton did it to you in the game with what two stops? Yep. Even two is yeah. one is enough, but two and then yeah. three in that case, you're like, ooh, Sask is for real. Yeah. And to stay on side and do it all right and, you know, make good hard contact so there's not like the quarterback doesn't slip off or spin off and, and get in. I mean, it's it was pretty neat to see. Yeah. And I'm sure Edmonton want to have that back, right? They look at it and they go, ah, you should have walked in. Yeah. You know, the, the onside thing is. It's one. Every, everybody goes offside on that play. Every team seems to go offside yeah. on that play. Uh, didn't Donald Rutledge get caught because his toe was a quarter of an inch yep. off the white line last yep. year? In that a was game. our first one in years. Oh, was it really? Yeah, we had one series against Calgary five or six years ago where we stopped them five times. Had to because we were offside on one of them. Stopped them twice. Stopped them three times offside on the third. Stopped them twice and they scored on the sixth. I think it was five five times. They must come off the field feeling like they could beat the world at that po- at that point. Their whole team gets a lift. Yeah, you know they 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 move the ball down the field. There, I mean, Trevor. They end up in that position for a reason, right? And the defense bails them out, and then the offense comes on. And I mean, they drove the ball. I think they, I think they didn't give up possession until that 
that throw. I think they end up running the ball and running the clock down all the way to the two-second mark, right? That's that's basically the end of that, right? Mm-hmm. After that stop. 204-780-6868 is your uh, direct line to the coach for your text and your calls. Just as we go through uh, this question to Mike and Derek from Unknown Texter, uh, did either of you catch any XFL or USFL uh, this season? And if so, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, a spattering of it. I mean, there was a, a, a USFL game on uh, yesterday, wasn't there? Two days ago? I'm not. I've yesterday. I've intentionally yeah. paid zero attention to both those leagues. Yeah, I think I flipped the channel through it once just to take a peek. I saw two plays and then was off back to whatever I was doing. I feel like if I saw Dakota Prukop, I would stand. I would yep. sit and watch Bright because absolutely, that's a good that's a good guy who I got to know a little bit last season. Yeah. Or Hakeem Butler went off in one of the leagues and oh, that's the guy Edmonton had for a minute and then released after a game. I think feel like a week seven game against you guys. Mm-hmm. Names that pop up kind of catch me. Uh, the texture continues to say, I'd like to see a camera in the control center like both those leagues where an official can explain the reasons for their calls and non-calls. Do you get a, Do you get sufficient explanation on the field as to yep. why this is that and this is the other thing? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Do you teach the officials something sometimes? They, they have a very tough job. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't need me. You know, it's yeah. They have a very tough job. I, I, I'd like them to just keep working and want to keep working. You know, there's it's unfortunate, right? We've got a an official shortage probably through all sorts of sports, minor sports included, right? And um, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't. They sh- they shouldn't feel the pressure. They shouldn't feel the negativity from from parents or coaches. Yeah, really, they should want to go out there and do their job and feel safe doing it and, you know, want to come back. And you'd hate to have kids kids missing out on opportunities because we can't get people to officiate. So um, that's my plug. We need more officials. So when I was 16, I was umpiring a 16, 17, 18-year-old baseball game. And this was the fastest baseball I'd ever seen in my life. I'm like, oh, my God, I am not equipped for this. My pants blew, so my, my blue shirt was out of the front of my zipper because my pants were broke. And I had to uh, – a guy did not try to get out of the way of a pitch ball. It hit him in the elbow, and he started running the first. And I'm like, no, no, that's that's a ball. Get back here. That you got to try to get out of the way of the pitch. And he was going to beat me. He was going to beat me up so bad. He had me by, like, 80 pounds. He was going to just – Clonk me over the head with the bat, I felt like. Uh, and he d- told me to F off. And I'm like, okay, well, you're you're out. And the coach appealed to me. And someone in the crowd yelled, that guy's going to have a hard time getting out of here. And if not for my 105-pound, one mom going, he has a ride home. <laughs> protecting <laughs> me. Awesome. I'm like, this is... Thumbs are great. We we need to be better with officials in, all, in the levels yeah. of sports. Because, Absolutely. I mean, your game doesn't happen without... People who have been officiating for, I don't know, by the time you get to the CFL, it must be a decade, decades they've been working well, at their craft. They're trying to get them in a little sooner. They're trying to, you know, find ways to fast track the, the real good ones with, you know, they just have to, we need more. Yeah. yeah. To see, and for, it's much better to watch the game up, up top where I can tell things that happen. Uh, down low at full speed, I don't even know how they do what they do to tell you was that pass interference or was that clean or was that offensive? Yeah. Who's holding whose hand and why are they holding it? I have no idea. Yeah, it's it is. We, we try to get our players to get their eyes right, and there's so much going on. Officials, the, the, just the number one thing they really have to do is make sure their positioning is right, make sure their focus is detailed onto what they're supposed to be looking at, and it's got to be hard because there's a lot of distractions going on. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's uh, bless any officials at any level of sports. Bless you for what you do because yeah, you you allow. Uh, you allow me to play old man softball too. Like there's got to be an umpire for that one as well. Yeah. Uh, he is the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Back to practice tomorrow. Excited? Absolutely. That's Good. You're going. Riders Friday. Bombers at Riders right here on CJOB. I'm very excited to see the Bombers go one and zero once again. Thanks for being with us. It's Coach Show on 680 CJOB.